my wife and I went on a three month trip. We drove around the U.S. in my old van, um, and it was awesome, but it required a lot of preparation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Fat Cats, where we help high-performing creative teams get even better. I'm your host, Wesley Dean, and welcome to episode 11 for a conversation with Arlie Cornell. Many of us, like Arlie and I, work in a creative space where we create a lot of content for the digital world. So it's content that gets viewed on your phones, through your computers, through social media. And I think one of the things that people who create content for that space are just realizing more and more the importance of appreciating you know the real world one of the goals arlie had was to go on a three-month road trip around the u.s in his van uh with his wife and in this episode we're talking about what it took to do that and we're also talking about what it's like to work in a creative team that supports you and encourages you along the way all while continuing to produce work that we love that we're excited about that we can share with those around us all while keeping a good balance of working in the digital space and maintaining all of our ties to the real world For this conversation, Arlie was on his phone outside of the animation studio while he was taking his lunch break. Without further ado, here's Arlie. Hey, Arlie, it's uh, great to connect with you, and thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you um, taking the time and for uh, hitting me up and everything. It's nice to... Nice to chat. I know you're someone who I definitely like really look up to and really like respect your work. Um, and I know, um, you know, you start off doing kind of internship with uh, Invisible Children. Didn't know if you kind of pick up from there of when you started getting into animation and, and what that was like. Yeah, I guess I'll just start by saying that I began my animation, quote unquote, career uh, much younger. I was, I was homeschooled and then I, I basically had a lot of free time. So I explored a lot of... Um, 3D animation um, as a, as like a you know a young person, and I I did uh, I used this program called Poser Three, and uh, that's really where my like where I started learning about keyframes and that kind of thing. Um, it was a it was a long time ago, but my that was like my first sort of formal education experience. And so, and then you know basically beyond that, I went through went through college and I had a brief stint in sound recording, and then I. Um, and I realized that that would be much more costly because uh, you have to maintain a lot more equipment and that kind of thing versus if you have just some, you know, basic software and um, and access to a workstation, then you can achieve animation a lot more quickly. And so I really delved into animation as I was discovering Vimeo and some really amazing pieces on there. I ended up getting an internship in San Diego with a company called Invisible Children. Um, they're a nonprofit that works in Central Africa and they do uh, social justice work and sort of, yeah, they, they do a variety of things. They're providing um, a lot of economic and social safety for uh, endangered people there, basically. So, yeah, and so anyway, I worked with them for a while and that was a really awesome experience. And um, uh, I asked for a job, and so they hired me on, and I moved out to San Diego at the beginning of what well, would have been 2014. And then a couple weeks later, they had a big layoff, and so I, it's funny, I got hired, and then two weeks later, they laid off pretty much everybody in the department, and I ended up, um, yeah, out of, out of a job, which is where you and I met, actually, because we had been doing a couple freelance projects together, about prior to that um and so i hit you up and just let you know that 
hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a, uh, <laughs> a, a job as I suspected. So I ended up. Yeah. I remember um, that was a little crazy where you all said and had a job, but then you didn't like two weeks later. Yeah. It was a bit of whiplash I'm sure. But, um, but yeah, that was a, that was kind of a scary time, but I just ended up trying to hit up all of my freelance client, clients at the time, which was a very short list at that, at that time in my life. Um, and you were one of them. So that's really helpful because then I was able to start working with you uh, on a frequent, on a more frequent basis. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of how we met, which was pretty, um, it was pretty, pretty great at that point in my life because I really was sort of struggling. I just moved and I didn't really know what to do. And so I felt like I was helpful for you because um, you were, you know, you were sort of expanding your business. And then I was, uh, it was helpful for me because I was, you know, looking for a way to provide for myself after just moving across the country. So, yeah, that's a bit of a background on on how uh, I got into animation and then how, you know, our paths crossed as well. Yeah, no, I th- that was a, a lot of fun. I m- remember at one point, you know, you saying that, you know, we hadn't actually met in person, but doing work together. And then at one point, I remember you were saying that your parents or family was like, wait, so you work for this guy who's across the country that you've like never met before. Like, how does that work? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That was a, that was a very, uh, very interesting time. It's funny now. I think like I've actually worked with a lot of people I've never met in person, you know, where if I have met them, it's like one time, you know? So it's pretty, pretty funny, pretty funny world that we live in, I suppose. Yeah. No, I think especially with, um, you know, kind of with animation work and, know what you can do where you don't have necessarily like as huge of files um to like send back and forth you don't have to physically show up and film you know with a camera then in animation and you know graphic design those fields in general work really well for for being remote uh and working on things that way you know afterwards you know we kind of moved on a little bit i think in part because you were just like you were too good like i didn't feel like i could create opportunities that were good. I mean, I had like so much respect for your like creative abilities. Oh man. Um, Thank that, you. Know, Very kind. <laughs> that I just, that I just couldn't like sell like opportunities that were going to like meet you creatively. And I think that was with you where I learned that, you know, in some cases, like there's that creative struggle that you need to let people like go through and work through. That's like really important for like continuing to refine your craft. Um, mm. And I think, and I really liked how you had this like huge drive to like continually get better and like continually improve at things. I think everyone needs to get if they want to continually improve on their work. Mm. Um, but I realized that at times like people need to be able to do that kind of process on their own. Even like when I've thought through like what I wanted to do, um, like projects I need to do, like there are times where I would want to do them just because I wanted to do them, not because like anyone else was like paying me a lot of money or something like that. And and that's where it's really part of the creative process is, you know, f- being able to pursue projects that just you want to do. And it's really important that people, I think, have that freedom. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, um, I think being able to facilitate uh, self-initiated creative projects is definitely something that like, um, definitely something that can be advantageous, not only in like, I don't know, keeping it someone who's interested in animation engaged, but also like, um, yeah, just sort of like developing, developing employees. I feel like right now, one of the things that I'm searching for is, is like a home base of like, where can I find a place that will uh, invest in me as, as much as I'm investing in me, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that like, I think that that's like a really, you know, unique situation where, you know, people who are 
sort of make the cut and are talented enough can can find a home base and find a find a studio to really grow with. I think that's a, like one of the best ways to develop as a creative. Because um, I mean, I've been out here doing freelance for years now, ever since then, essentially. And uh, I, I, you know, I still maintain that. I try to maintain that drive, of, like you know, getting better and all this other stuff. But it doesn't really leave as much room for other creative hobbies or or um, as much of a diversified kind of you know interest set as much as it would be if uh, if someone else were to to join to join in like that um, that that sort of creative development, I guess. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I definitely think that like having space to to search for yourself, but also to have like a team of people that's sort of rallying around you and can support each other. It's like a really, it's a really great option for creatives out there. What do you think that option looks like as, I mean, as I talk to people and more and more things are going freelance. Um, mm-hmm. And so that is the one disadvantage that, you know, with a freelance that there isn't necessarily someone who's going to be like, oh, let me spend a lot of money developing your skill set apart from Th- this immediate project that I have or, you know, this project that I need you to do well, um, they're not necessarily going to spend as much time. And I think that is one of the key challenges of creatives working in that space um, is that they, you know, they're just not going to be have a team of people who are intentionally investing them from the financial point of view. But h- how do you try to cultivate that um, in that freelance atmosphere? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not really sure. uh like the right, I'm not sure. I mean, there's a lot of different approaches. I mean, I think one of the things that I've tried to do is just sort of be a self-initiator in terms of doing projects and then trying to collaborate with other people. I feel like I'm not really the best at um, connecting with other people over the internet. I'm much more of an in-person kind of a, you know, I definitely engage better in person. And so one thing that I've learned about myself, at least, is that, you know, it's one thing to just try to initiate projects and have people collaborate with you. And usually that ends up, it ends up good because you make connections and you work together with people. Like I worked on this short film, Brotherly Love, about my friend Mikey and I, which was a success in my book. But, you know, I guess in my mind, I thought like, oh, other people would you know, want to jump on this idea and help out. But in the end, it just kind of ended up being like, oh, I just feel like I'm asking other people to work on my project, you know what I mean? And I'm just, you know, just asking people to work for free and that doesn't feel right. And so when there's no budget, it really like when people can make money versus not making money on a creative thing, it's like people really sort of gravitate towards higher budgets and all that stuff, which is, totally makes sense. It's like the the math adds up, right? Like, um, so I guess, I guess what I mean by that is just like, you know, I, I find it challenging to, to get people to rally around projects where there's not a huge budget. Um, but I definitely think that like shared creative projects like a short film or something like that, it's probably the best way as a freelancer to try to um, try to engage community and learn from each other and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I was recently had a conversation with a guy about whether he was doing any projects, you know, kind of like that. And then he said that, you know, they had one that they were doing, but that, you know, it kind of took a little bit too long and it took like, it was over the course of like three weekends. And by the time, you know, everyone was, by the end of it, everyone was kind of like tired and tired of it because it was like in too many locations. And so I think there is something to be said about, you know, working on projects, but it's almost, they have to be like short time spans where it's like short, compressed, you can like 
bring focused intensity and then like move on. So I think that can be one of the challenges totally. um, with, with finding other, you know, short creative projects to, to do, but which I think is tough with animation because you can't really um, like, Oh, I'm going to knock out a project in a weekend. Right. Right. Necessarily. Yeah, definitely. I think with animation, I think you're right though. It's like keeping it short keeping it really, you know, simple, but at the same time fun. There's some kind of, there's some kind of, some kind of perfect opportunity there where like, if it's uh if it's like you know 15 sec or 15 frames or if it's like a couple seconds or something like that it's like the most optimal <laughs> range of like getting someone to work on something but you know not it not being becoming a burden for them well i think even in just creative projects in general like i know that whenever i uh, like i've started doing woodworking uh kind of as a hobby just because i i think it's important to have like something where you're working in things in like physical space and it's just something different than my time spent you know on a computer looking at pixels and light um but I, but i'm always much, much more excited about projects when i can like get some like almost finish it like if i can start and stop in a weekend then that's like the ideal where it's like i can like start get it done tackle with intensity versus if i start something and it, i don't actually finish it it could like easily drag on you know for like months sometimes totally. unfinished yeah i was gonna say i agree with you 100 percent. like if you can't if you can't knock it out then it usually will linger so one thing that happened to me recently was there was a bit of a lull in work for like three three or four weeks i didn't have anything to do in like july or june and july um, and I think it must have been like a fiscal year thing. I don't really know what was going on, but I didn't really fight it. I wasn't like trying to hustle up as much work as I was just trying to like enjoy the the time where I wasn't booked for things. And so I, instead of trying to make work for myself, I I essentially just embarked on what you're doing. It's like a creative project that's like totally outside. And so I, you know, did similarly, I cut up a bunch of wood and I worked on the, um, I worked, I worked on remodeling the, the van's interior for like several weeks. And that was my big, my, that was my big project while I wasn't staring at the screen, you know, it was awesome. Yeah, no, I think there's something about that, uh, that physical space um, that I think, especially as a, too, as, a, if, as a creative who does work in that digital space, having kind of a tangible outlet can be really good for like your mental health. Definitely. I think it's, I think it's really, yeah, it's definitely a, an advantage to be able to, um, you know, once you get, once you give your mind, your like, you know, digital pixelated mind a break, then some other parts of you comes up, comes alive when you're not, uh, when you're not as tasked that or not as burdened that heavily, you know, and I think that's like a really refreshing thing for, um, yeah, for just in general, it's refreshing. Yeah. No, I, Absolutely. So, so I'd love to hear a little bit too about kind of this, you know, this mixture um, between, you know, like work, work-life balance and kind of having a life that you want to do. So I know that, you know, about a year ago, you, you know, went on a trip where you kind of just like took some time off and like traveled around, uh, you know, the country, you know, kind of in the van with your wife. You know, what did you find that you had to do in order to be able to like take that trip? Was it just being intentional about saving? Was it being comfortable charging your rates that you know you're worth? Um, any thoughts or ideas like for, for listeners of if they want to do something similar, like what do they need to be doing? Yeah, it's just a good question. Um, that trip came about, um, for a few reasons. One, um, my wife and I really felt, well, first of all, my wife and I went on a three month trip. We drove around the U S my old van 
um, and it was awesome, but it required a lot of preparation. And one of the things that it required was, A, the financial stability to be able to achieve that. And that came through a variety of different channels. One, Claire had a decent enough paying job uh, for us to be able to save beforehand. And I was making enough money to be able to put stocks and money away too. Um, and uh, we also, uh, we didn't have any student loan debt. I know that a lot of people have either student loan debt or some kind of indebtedness, whether it's like credit cards or whatever. We basically, um, it's like a, this is where we talk about, you know, generational wealth and like, and privilege and stuff is where, you know, my parents really helped me pay for my college as well as Claire's parents. And we also were scholarshiped up the wazoo. So it was like, basically, you know, that, that is more advantageous than people give credit for. Um, and debt really does weigh heavily on a lot of my friends and peers and just in my generation as well. But we didn't have any of that. So it, it actually opened up this layer of freedom to even consider taking time off in our, you know, in our twenties, which is like what a lot of people can't even imagine that because they have to pay for everything. They have to pay for life and they have to pay for debt or whatever else is going on. And so I, I count myself very fortunate um, and very like privileged in that way that we were even able to consider it. Um, and we just played the cards right beyond that, you know? And so beyond our privilege, we also just like, um, we think well, and we also, um, just, yeah, just kind of, I just started telling my clients what I was doing. Um, and that was pretty scary at first that I thought I was going to lose my whole client base or I was going to lose like all my relationships. But overwhelmingly the response was like, that's awesome. You should go do that. Um, that's, you know, amazing. <laughs> Everyone was jealous instead of like, you know, upset that I was leaving them or whatever. So anyway, that was, re that was actually pretty refreshing to realize that like people are, when you tell them that you're doing something really important to you, um, people generally want you to do what's important to you. So that was like a nice, <laughs> that was a nice thing to discover. So yeah, after I told everyone that I was going to be gone for a few months, I, I sort of, we just hit the road. And then when I came back, I let people know that I was back. And then pretty much immediately was able to get back into work. And so my whole insecurity and paranoia about not being able to find work post van life trip was like, totally unfounded so yeah it all worked out pretty much fine the only thing that was a little bit rocky was um just claire finding my wife claire finding work um after we got back but that was that sorted itself out soon enough you know finding a full-time job is a lot different than finding freelance work especially in um the animation world so anyway that's like especially the long and short of how we achieved that at this point in our podcast, I want to take a brief pause to expand upon this issue of what it's like working for creatives who run their own business. So one of the reasons I initially got started was because I wanted to have that freedom of being able to do projects I was excited about and loved. And uh, you know, so I did that for a few years and eventually I started building up a company with was excited to get an office space and, uh, and hire people and a lot of great people and I loved the office space. But eventually what you realize is that as you start to expand and grow, your level of responsibility starts to uh, significantly increase to the point where you're not doing some of the work anymore that you enjoy doing. 
And one of the reasons I had started was because I wanted to be able to have a bit more freedom to be able to do things that I loved. But inevitably, after a number of years, I realized that I no longer had some of those freedoms because I had so much overhead and I had so many other responsibilities to take care of. And um, so I've been in this this process in my life of really trying to simplify what I'm doing and you know reduce my overhead. And in turn, what that that's led to is more freedom. And Paul Jarvis recently wrote a book about this called Company of One that I just really enjoyed. And so I'd reached out to him, seeing if he'd be on the podcast. Um, but he said that at this point, you know, he's done over 200 interviews about the book and, uh, you know, he just was pretty burned out on interviews. So second best thing is here's a quote from Paul Jarvis from his own podcast, Company of One, that I think you'll find helpful. Minimalism creates certain freedoms. The first, freedom from excess financial worry. So if you're spending less, you can make less and be more profitable. The second freedom is freedom from the stress of busy. You're only doing what is useful and makes you happy, nothing else. The third freedom is freedom from fear of loss. So you're living below your means and you can weather greater storms or hardships by doing that. And the fourth and final freedom that minimalism creates is freedom from weighty responsibility. The bigger your business gets, the more work it requires, and it may not be the work you enjoy. So working for yourself is freedom, if you do it right. I hope you've enjoyed uh, that little excerpt. And if you want more Food for Thought, I highly encourage you to check out his book, Company of One. Now here we are, back to my conversation with Arlie. Yeah, and when I think too, the fact that you made that like deliberate choice to um, like save up and be frugal. Um, I mean, even if without the fact of having debt, but I mean, if a lot of people aren't saving what they do have, then it would make it really hard to be able to do something like that. Um, and, and about how long did you, sure. was that trip like percolating in the back of your mind as you were planning things? Um, it had been probably, the seed had been planted probably a year prior. So we, we definitely like, wanted to do something like that I and mean, i think that you know this the stress of planning a wedding definitely like really enabled claire to want to uh to be interested in living in a car with me for three months <laughs> but then uh <laughs> but then like i think we really started making decisions around it probably maybe four to six months prior because we realized like if we don't actually go for it then it's probably not you know, it, it doesn't just happen, right? You have to choose it. So started telling people that we were going to do it, putting it out there. And and then, uh, yeah, the, the, everything kind of just fell into place eventually. But it was really nerve-wracking, like, saying no to clients. And it was also nerve-wracking for Claire to quit her job and, like, you know, basically turning off your source of income and your life and just sort of, like, focusing on your savings account as your primary way of surviving. So, yeah, it's like... Kind of nerve-wracking, but it's like just the timeline of things. Probably four to six months beforehand, we really started putting the the pieces in motion. No, that that's awesome. So, so I guess too at the time, like yeah, over the years, you have been able to work with a number of different you know studios and places like that. You know what what kind of you know what kind of is there anything that you've found that you just make some, working for somebody really good um, or hmm. you know know tips that you'd say like oh after all my like years of experience before taking the break you know this is what i appreciated and then coming back did you view things differently at all i think for me like um 
some of the most positive working experiences have been ones where there's like a really solid like human element you're not treated as a resource but you're treated as someone who's like you know um who's a person you know and so i've worked with a variety of studios oh, a ton actually and so i think like the ones that usually come back as like really fond working experiences the ones where if i'm in-house just end up being like you know i just remember being really chummy with everybody I remember like wanting to go into work because you know i get to hang out with my friends um, um this might be like really specific to my situation just because like I, I know some people really value like the animation and the quality of the work and i definitely do but i also probably equal in equal measure i just really value like how well do i connect with the people that i'm hanging out with and that kind of thing for weeks on end so yeah i mean i just have had really good experiences when some people are kind and we all eat together or we like um we hang out afterwards for beers or something like that and some places are not like that some places are a little more cold some people just you know want you to make some cool work and send it to them on dropbox and that's that but like that's and that's fine i mean i don't I don't mind that but i think for me it's like when i feel like oh i'm not just you know a person cranking out animation you know that's that's when it feels nice so so yeah that's the, the longest that's like how i think of it i guess like how much of a human can i feel like when i'm stuck behind a you know screen <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> No, absolutely. I, I do think there is kind of a, a movement, especially among people who spend a lot of time like creating stuff in the digital space. It's like you start to really realize the value of, yeah, of like real human interaction of, um, you know, that analog, like time with people and out in nature away from devices, even though despite the fact yeah. that you know, at times we spend a lot of time creating content in that digital space, but it's almost like it gives you more of an awareness of what looks good in digital and then the ability to say, let's unplug from that digital and connect in this other world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would I would even say that this other world, uh, I would I would categorize a digital space as this other world and, and the analog space is the real world, man. And so like, I think of... Uh, yeah, I think of it really like, you know, it's, it's um, all these, all the tools that we have to be able to connect with each other um, as opposed to face-to-face -face are sort of stop gaps for the real thing, which is like being able to spend time together, you know, and that's like, that's the real gift of being a, a person to feel and hang out. So and it is really interesting kind of as you look at, you know, some of the stuff, especially that's happened in like what we've started to kind of grow up as we knew the world before like social media, smartphones, but then had that whole, like, you know, um, you know, like coming into adulthood with all the stuff that was very much different. I think in our case from our, like our childhood in terms of, Oh, we did have screens, but there just wasn't that level of like connectivity. And I think starting to become aware of, um, like, like what is happening. And, um, even though in our case we, we create content for the digital world, we like very much realize that, yeah, this is like another world and there's really needs to be, um, when you really be spending a lot of time in the, the physical world with people and those interactions. And that's what really makes uh, life rich. For sure. Agreed. hundred percent. All right. It sounds good, man. Well, Hey, it has been uh, great talking with you. I'm sure y'all have to get back to, uh, back to work as in, in the studio you're working. I know you're kind of taking your lunch break over there in, um, are you in Oakland? I'm actually in San Francisco right now. I'm working with some friends at Entropic. They, uh, they have offices here and 
LA and I think New York too. I'm not sure, but but yeah, good good people over here. So I'm gonna probably mow down some food and then get back to keep rain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Hey, well, Arlie, it has been great talking to you, and I really appreciate you uh, hanging out for the podcast. Yeah, Wes, thanks for chatting with me. It's like great to hear you, man. All right, man. Hey, well, thanks, Arlie. It, was, it really was uh, great talking to you. All right, bye-bye. And that wraps up another episode. Thanks so much for listening. I know that anytime I can talk with a fellow creative about what it's like struggling to uh, enjoy you know the real world analog while still maintaining and doing great work in the digital space i always walk away with uh, feeling refreshed and encouraged as there is a lot at going on right now as we look at the way our culture is shifting the way we read information is changing i think there really is a really big transition in our society going on that we're not really even you know fully aware of Kind of like how there was a big transition from, uh, you know, completely oral cultures to uh, written cultures. I think when we look back in history uh, on this point, they'll really see it as a big uh, turning point uh, in civilization with regards to, you know, how we process information and how we relate to those around us. And um, so it's always good just to be aware of what's going on. And as we continue to strive to produce great work and keeping a really good balance. Tune in next week for an episode with John Padgett as we talk about the work that he has done that has inspired entire cities. I am really looking forward to releasing that one. Until next time, have a great one.